Welcome to this week's podcast featuring some of the best moments from the Soul Pepper Cabaret series. I'm Gregory Sinclair, a resident artist here at Soul Pepper and the Warren West Director of Audio Programs. This week we welcome Soul Pepper co-founder William Webster back for an episode of Bill's Classical Corner. Soul Pepper resident artist Derek Boys is our host and timekeeper as he taps Bill's encyclopedic knowledge of his great passion, opera. Feature guests this week are husband and wife singers Ernesto Ramirez and Michelle Bogdanovich. The theme, love, lust, rage, betrayal, and childcare. The life of an opera couple. Uh, let me tell you a little history about where this show comes from. Uh, over the last five years or so, the Slate family director of music here at Soul Pepper, Mike Ross, was the musical director and I was the host of a series of cabarets. We did about 50 of them over the years uh, after shows, after Soul Pepper shows. Uh, and as part of every show, we had something called Bill Webster's Opera Corner. And it was very successful, so successful, we've now spun it into a full evening, and we've done a few of these, and it really is a fantasy island for one of the founding members of the Soul Pepper Theatre Company, William Webster, who, as well as being a brilliant actor, if you've seen the shows here, he's an absolute opera fanatic, an encyclopedic knowledge of all things opera, and this is his absolute greatest fantasy, is to spend an evening talking, reminiscing, uh, sharing his stories about the opera world, and we add the added treat of having some of Toronto's best uh, opera singers fill the evening out. So we have an incredible show for you tonight that I'm very excited about, but first I want to bring out the founding, one of the founding members of the Soul Pepper Theatre Company, the reason we're here tonight, William Webster. Come and sit beside me, Bill. I'm opening up my iPad because on my iPad I have a timer because my job not only becomes host, but I'm kind of the, the wrangler of this fellow because he loves opera so much that if I didn't stop him or keep him on track, he would veer down rabbit holes, he would go on and on and on, and we would never get out of this building before we heard one aria or one duet. Yes, so, and that's I, what we want to hear. We do want to hear singing. Yeah, we do. We have amazing singing. So, Bill, tell me about the overview of what tonight's... Bill Webster Fantasy Island Opera well, Night will be tonight. Well, it, it, it sort of evolved courtesy of the singers. I'd um, done a show uh, with Boris and Ina Zarankin. Um, uh, they have this uh, Salon series, and uh, it was Russian music from the Soviet period. Uh, and there was this tenor, Ernesto Ramirez. And my God. I hadn't heard a voice of such beauty and depth uh, in, in, as a tenor for a very, very long time. And we were very lucky uh, to uh, be able to get his services, as well as that of his uh, lovely wife, uh, Michelle Bogdanovich, for tonight. And uh, so one thing sort of led so to So Bill, the yeah. now we get to set up our first duet. Right. And it is... Uh, come on, le... Now, first of all, I'm going to start the clock because I'm going to give you three minutes. Go. Day down. Okay. I, no, he's ruthless. I have to um, be ruthless. I have to be ruthless. This is Berlioz's adaptation of uh, Shakespeare's play, Much Ado About Nothing. And it happens uh, fairly... Uh, this duet happens fairly early on in the first act. And it's called... Uh, how can this day... 
roughly translate, how can disdain be dead when you're around? So we know these lovers uh, who are constantly quarreling and that loggerheads are, of course, doomed to fall in love and uh, live a robust life together. Uh, it's a beautiful aria. I had the privilege years ago at the COC of doing the first production that they've ever done. You were in it? I was in it. Oh, yes, wow. I played Leonato. They're speaking parts. Uh -huh. Mercifully, the audience didn't have to hear me sing as much as, of course, I would love to <laughs> um, with no talent or training or anything, but just inclination. Mercifully, they didn't have to do that. But it was such, it was unbelievable. I love I've always, since I was a child, always loved the sound of the human voice, the power, not just the power, but the, the ex expressivity of it. And this afternoon, I was privileged to be at a, a broadcast from Amatoville Trovatore. And it, it was, you know, that's a big house. That's 5,000 people, four, four or 5,000. And it was amazing how powerful the little details were in that house and uh, for the camera. So there's a huge range of possibilities with the singing voice. Uh, and it was interesting with Beatrice and Benedict because there's a lot of spoken dialogue in it. So there I was up in the stage what, acting what, Leonato. Where where, what, what theater was it? It was at um, uh, what I call... Roy Thompson? No. Uh, no, uh, at, uh, what do I call it? The O'Keefe. Oh, the, uh, oh, so, right. the Sony Center. Sony Center. Which is very... Uh, That's huge, too. Oh, mm -hmm. please. Um, and uh, pretending that it was intimate, because it's quite a light piece for Berlioz. We're going to hear uh, an excerpt from Les Troyens later on. Stick with I, this one, though. Okay, I'll stick That's with later this on. One. All right, all right. If whatever you say, boss. And uh, it was. I, I loved being up there. There were some extraordinary choruses in there, and it, it took everything I could muster not to join in. <laughs> but, I, you know, you'll sometimes in, a, in an opera see uh, extras or, you know, uh, Toreadors or uh, ladies of the street standing there not saying anything. It's because seconds. they're like me. They, they don't sing. And 30 seconds, I think we should bring the real talent on. Right now. Oh my God, you're going to cut your time short? I'm going to cut my time Fantastic. short. Fantastic. Yay! Love that. All right, so uh, our, we are so privileged tonight to have with us uh, two of these amazing singers who happen to be married, which I think is going to be really exciting to find out more about them when we talk to them too. But here is Ernesto Ramirez and Michelle Bogdanovich with Beatrice and Benedict by Berlioz. Let the dawn on a tropera. 
Now's the time that I'm really excited about spending about 10 minutes chatting with our two fantastic singers. I, I think it's so amazing when we, we find a, a couple who are so creative and so gifted to, to, and to hear more about their, their lives, not only on the stage, but off the stage. And I, I, I think we have some really fantastic stories to share with you. So please welcome to, uh, to have an interview with me, Ernesto Ramirez and Michelle Bogdanovich. I know you hate using microphones, Ernesto, but we're going to do that again because we can then use it on a podcast and we can people around the world can hear you talk too. I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you. I'm just loving what your performances are tonight. Everybody I know have been hearing great things about what, what amazing singers you are. And I want to find out some stories about what it is to have a life together in the opera world. Uh, I've spent most of my life, my wife is a, has been an actor up until two years ago, and now she's taken up real estate. So suddenly we have mm -hmm. two totally different careers, and it's weird. Mm -hmm. I, I like, but we'll talk about that with you. Uh, not about my life, but about your life. Uh, <laughs> but I want to talk a bit about your lives before you met each other. So Michelle, I'm going to start with you, and that you uh, trained uh, here in Toronto, you, the piano at age four. Yes which you took for many years, I'm sure. For many years, until age about 17, let's say. Which is then when your vocal lessons started in earnest. Yeah, I joined a choir, a youth choir, and then uh, discovered that I had a nice voice compared to everybody else around me. Nice. So I... Uh, so did you have someone particularly <laughs> that... I mean, I'm sure you heard that yourself, but there must have been people going, hey, Michelle, you can sing like a bird. Yeah, the pianist, uh, the pianist of the choir okay. um, said, you should go study with this teacher, and it was uh, Jean McPhail. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started lessons with her, and the next year I got into the University of Toronto performance, uh, bachelor in performance program, and mm -hmm. with flying colors and scholarships. And Fantastic, and yeah. you ended up at the San Francisco Opera in Chicago, you've been an ensemble member at the COC, yep. so, and, and so Toronto's been your base for forever and ever. Yes. 
and Ernesto, he comes from somewhere else, not Toronto. You're Mexican-born, is that correct? That's correct. And you have an American citizenship as well, so you have dual Mexican and American citizenship. And very recently, uh, have, has your, your Canadian status arrived as well, so you're... Yeah, I, I, do, I decided to cross the borders. Just like, okay, the States, okay, that was easy. Let's go to Canada. Oh, uh, it's okay. colder, but <laughs> hey, I got a wife. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, good. Smooth. That, but what? <laughs> Real smooth. Yeah. Okay, I got a wife. I that's might as well go That's what attracted to me. I can bet right, that's what yeah, it is. I want to know more about that soon. But first, before you met this wonderful woman, yes. you actually I, you trained as a clarinetist. I, I did. I was stunned to find out that you were actually known as a prodigy uh, in, in Mexico at the University of Guadalajara for music and uh, at 18 made your debut with the Philharmonic. Mm -hmm. yep. That's amazing. And now, is it possible that you could play the clarinet for us tonight? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think a little... <laughs> but he's got... You, did you, in fact, bring a clarinet with you? Um... Okay. <laughs> sure. Can I, mean, I can I get it for you? Do you know what? Uh, ah. <laughs> I, I knew this was going to happen. So. <laughs> uh, is that know. how you travel across the border with your clarinet? <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of like you know the the officers ask you questions like, "What do you do for a living?" You don't want to know. <laughs> no, uh, you know it's. it's that's a wonderful instrument. I I really I really love it. I miss it a lot because um, you know you you train for so many years. Uh, my grandfather started me with the instrument when I was uh, maybe ten or twelve, and he was very hard to teacher. But he taught me he taught me well because he said that. Um, the best lessons in life, they are taught hard. And he never, I remember, you know, the, this part of my hair, what do you call it, the air browns or whatever they're called? Sideburns. Sideburns, sorry. What did you call them first? I don't remember. I like that. Hair burns. Hair burns, that's it. I like it. They call them hair burns now. Well, the, the <laughs> thing is, you know, he, uh, when I played a note, and the note was just there, he, went like this and he said, I want you to pay attention why I did that. I said, well, I don't know, you're, you're a bad man. <laughs> but I understood by, not so much by the aggression because he's not really been aggressive. He said, I love you very much and if I didn't care about you studying this music uh, stuff, if I didn't care about you, I will not even, I will not even be here. I will not be interested in, because my grandfather used to have about a hundred and something. Uh, Students? No. No. Uh, I was his, uh, his, uh, one of grandsons? his grandsons. You know, he okay, had a grand. lot of people. He had a hundred grandsons? For a f something like Holy that. Holy yeah. moly. Sounds like a lot. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I mean, no, it's, it's, I mean, don't think wow. that rabbits only get stuff in. <laughs> That's impressive. Well, wow. Yeah, I have a picture somewhere in there where you can see my head, and then it's the crowd. <laughs> a crowd of grandchildren. Yeah, that's what I remember. I have. And you're the only one that he uh, he wanted to teach an instrument to. Uh, yep, I was the only one that excelled. Wow. The only one because he saw something in me. He believed in me. Then I remember. 
I wanted to play saxophone and I wanted to be a jazz musician. Um, obviously in Mexico at, the, at that time, uh, there was no jazz schools, nothing like that. I got in love with the instrument. So my grandfather said, no, you're not going to go to the university and play saxophone. You're going to play clarinet. And so I end up, okay, well, you said that, I, I'll go and I'll do it. So um, I went to the university uh, to take a test and the clarinet teacher, um, my professor that became my clarinet teacher, he saw me in the, what we call auditions, right? We call these auditions, but uh, he saw me in the interview and he, I remember he saying to the panel, said, I don't care what you think people, he needs to get in. <laughs> because they were saying, oh, well, he hasn't finished high school, he cannot be in the university because he doesn't have this or that, you know, all the politics that play, that has to be in place for some reason. So they kind of made an exception and I got in like three years early than wow. the regularly people that get in. So I had to do high school and the university <laughs> at the same time, which was the toughest time of my life. But yeah. you know, you learn, you learn to live with what you have. And, uh, and so this was the love of my life for a long time. Then the voice became quite there, then she became the love of my life. Nice. But but I saw that but like I a, well <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's still nice to hear though it's yeah. not a shtick okay would you would you play for us I w sure that'd be um, wonderful I'll be now that I'm in on the light or in the light or whatever you call that um, okay so I, I brought some music Great. I'm going to play <coughs> just a little bit I don't want to take the whole entire stage and don't get her a chance to sing anymore um, I brought my favorite piece of music for that was ever written for the clarinet, at least for me, which is the Adagio uh, that was written by Mozart uh, for his clarinet concerto. And I'm just going to play that, that specific piece of music that is, to my life, has been a, a, a challenging but the most fulfilling uh, piece of music that I ever played as a musician. So I'll I'll play some and hopefully you endure me with my non-playing thing. All right, Ernesto Ramirez and the clarinet and Mozart. What work have you done? So let's see if this gets tuned.
Ni nice to have a little something to fall back on in case things go <laughs> don't quite quite right with the opera world. That's gorgeous. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's, that's exciting. I mean, for me, this is you know at home now. I play it, and it's like, oh yeah, I used to do this, and I used to do that. Uh, when you ask me to if I could play something, I I got nervous because I said, ooh, I haven't really. Um, not that I haven't studied this whole music, but uh, just to bring it life and inter interpret it for you is uh, it can take some nervous, you know, butterflies and things like that. And so, thanks yeah, for taking I mean, the risk. It was fantastic. Anyways, gorgeous. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Thanks, Ernesto. That was beautiful. I I, I want to talk now a bit about how you guys got together. So I'm going to put the spotlight on you, Michelle, to, to fill us in on uh, your first meeting, Montreal, 2008. You're both yes. there for vocal training, vocal courses. Yeah. What was this first impression like? What did we, you spotted this fella, he spotted you. How did it happen? Where did, what happened? What, what's the background? We were the, um, we were, I think we were the more advanced students in that program. And neither of us knew that the other had told the head of the program, we don't want to sing in public. We just, we just want to come and take some lessons and just kind of study sort of in a low key kind of way. And sure enough, the very first event of this um, course was a public master class, and we were both scheduled to sing right on uh -huh. that on that e evening. Um, and that's the first time you met was watching each other. We sing. watched each other <laughs> sing uh -huh. in the master class, and uh, I, I after the class I went to congratulate him. And I bet he was heading to, towards you to congratulate you. He, no, no, uh, no. no. <laughs> okay, don't call me Cupid. What happened, Ernesto? How do you see it? Well, uh, well, she she didn't say that uh, she had a. I was someone, on a date. Yeah, she was oh. on a date. And so I was with a, a man. And the, and so the he guy was like maybe two times taller Every than me. Every time we tell the story, he a gets Mexican taller. A Mexican do not approach a lady with a tall guy behind her. <laughs> That's a no-no. That's a given, huh? Okay. I said I'll approach her later somewhere else. All right. No, I, I say hi, and, and she congratulated me. I congratulated her back, but I just, as soon as I saw that she was with someone, I said, oh, okay, well, okay, well, move on with my life, and I just continue with the classes or whatever. But before you left so, Montreal, but it was, fireworks it, were happening? It, it really wasn't, a, he, he wasn't, it was just a, you know, a cas you know, casual date, uh -huh. and, you know, he was a friend of my cousin's, right. and so it was nothing. So Easy to dump that guy. Well, yeah. We didn't have much in common. He wasn't a tenor. Oh, for heaven's sake. So <laughs> we, Not uh, a tenor. <laughs> so we just, you know, so we, we got to know each other during our classes. Nice, nice. Yes. Now, I want to know about this trip to Santa Barbara that you got to sing in honor of Puccini's 150th anniversary, an event yeah. that was hosted by his granddaughter. Yeah. Simonetta. Um, that yep. sounds amazing. Um, well, I met Simonetta in Boston. Uh, we were doing Bohem. That was the first time I was picked to do Rodolfo, which I was really excited because it's one of my, uh, I guess I would like to sing it more in the future. But at the time when we did this, they invited her to come and be basically on the audience, in the audience and they didn't, didn't tell us. We did the whole performance. Oh, and without she, knowing, wow. Yeah, yeah, and then she came and she said, oh, congratulations. But then she didn't say her name. And ah. I saw her face and I'm like, that nose <laughs> Reminds me of someone. <laughs> she actually ha has the nose of her grandfather. Wow. And she was very nice. She gave me her card and she said, oh, if you ever come to Luca, please look, look me up. I can give you a tour of the house. And, and so she was very nice. I was so excited about 
meeting her. And then uh, I previously worked in Santa Barbara when I was living in, in California. And I was there just as a um, kind of coaching the choir how to keep the, ten the leading section of the tenors kind of in place. And then once in a while I was doing some cover cover job at that company. I was starting back then. I was not really like uh, a very uh, st established professional. Mm -hmm. But something that um, really spoke to me is that the conductor at the time, he remembered me. And then he, someone said, well, he went to Boston. He's, he finished the university. And you should actually consider bringing him because, uh, OK, now I know how it happened. She, Simonetta Puccini told her, as her assistant, tell the opera company that I want to have this tenor that I heard in Boston. That's how it happened. Uh -huh. And so then the conductor contacted me and said, well, you know, you've been requested. You need to come to the 150th anniversary of Puccini at, uh, at Santa Barbara. And we want to have you. Simonetta asked for you. And Do you know uh, a, a soprano at the time? I said, I don't know any sopranos that I want to sing with. But I can recommend uh, a nice lady. I can, she can sing for you. And he said, "Oh, she doesn't have to sing for me. If you say that she's good, I'll trust you. Uh -huh. You come and you do the performance, and that's it." So we went to Santa Barbara, and she was able to meet also Simonetta, and mm -hmm. it was a great experience. You know, meeting meeting someone that close, and also to realize that the composers that are not longer with us, they still. Uh, they are people, uh -huh. and we and and we admire them for what they've done, and she was there to be her. How can you say? Uh, like the ambassador. The ambassador of mm. what he's done. Nice. And being a performer in opera, uh, and doing some Puccini, it really brought me more close to that composer than if I just went to school, studied some Puccini. Right. So that that she experience. helped humanize it too of seeing yes. the, the embodiment of her yes, grandfather. Yes. Fantastic! Mm -hmm. and that was that. That was an exciting trip for you too, I bet. Yeah, uh -huh. a volcano was due to erupt, or there were some. No, no, it was just fires. Was California gets oh, all there, these right, fires. Oh, forest, forest fires. California fires. Forest fires. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And so we couldn't go out and explore. We had to stay inside because it was very, very smoky, and no right. one was, that was outside. Good. Okay. I liked it being inside and being cozy inside. and. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your child. You have a, a Anna. Is your Anna Paloma? Anna she Paloma. goes by Paloma. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. That, and uh, that's an interesting challenge to add to yes. international opera careers. Yeah. But a pretty big blessing. Tell me about Anna. And yeah. Well, I, one question I want to ask you both is, what do you sing to her at night? I well, we sing mostly during the day because by nighttime we're all ex we're exhausted. <laughs> but um, we simple songs, ABCs. Au clair de la lune, Frère Jacques. Nothing hugely operatic. Monkeys jumping on the bed. Nice, okay. You well, know, all that stuff. And she loves those songs. Uh -huh. And she um, takes those songs and uses the tunes and then uses, she has the stream of consciousness storytelling. So she'll be sort of walking and then she'll, to the tune of ABCs, I am walking in my room. Uh -huh. Now I'm going to play with my teddy bear. And she, it's very interesting to watch how she's just A using. genius, she is. She's a, a genius. genius. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. So, that kind of thing. Uh, well, 
you've got 50 new fans, 54 new fans here that I, we're going to be watching every step that you take, and I can't wait Thanks. to keep watching you hit our stages and take over the world with your operatic skills, and I just think they're fantastic. Ernesto and Michelle, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be, we'll be back with more music. Bill, come and join me. So we now have our, our final duet, uh, which I'm going to have you set up, and you'll be given three minutes to do so. Yes. Uh, this oh. is from Les Troyens. Les Troyens, um, which um, this is all around the time, by, again, by Berlioz. And this is Berlioz. Uh, we heard his uh, lighter duet uh, from two antagonistic lovers. This is a totally different uh, world. Uh, it's based on the, um, the Iliad, which has always had a profound influence in my life. Um, the, the notion of how we started the enmity and the spiritual quest of what it is to be human. So, um, yeah. Uh, this particular uh, uh, duet. The fall of the, 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 the opera is, uh, was uh, called uh, Les Troyens, and initially it was done in two parts. Uh, the fall of Carthage, and then uh, uh, the, the Trojans in, uh, Car in uh, the fall of Troy and the Trojans in Carthage. It, it was done in two parts initially. It's, it's now done only as one. And uh, actually, I worked for uh, a mezzo-soprano who sang Dido in the great uh, first production at Covent Garden. Her name is Blanche Thebaum. And uh, when uh, it was done there in the 50s, and blew everybody's heads off uh, because it hadn't been seen in uh, in England. It had been done in France, but not in England. And um, you know, it's been done at the Met. Uh, but it, it's it's a real next to the Ring of the Nibelungen. It is the the, mo the, the largest work I need going. You to sum up, my friend. We are. At oh well, I haven't even begun to touch on it. It's this is a, a, a duet for Aeneas who has fallen in love with Dido, the queen of Carthage, which is in North Africa. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's an, um, I, think, I think, just listen to it. It's, it's an amazing duet of love and And have you seen this opera? You, I have never seen it. You only listened it. to recordings of it? Uh, only recordings of it, well, yeah. Now you get to see it live. Tonight. I do. What so a here's blessing. a duet from Les Troyens by Berlioz. Yeah. From Michel and Ernesto. Oh, no. 
Ernesto Ramirez, Michelle Bogdanovich, David Eliakis. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Bill's Classical Corner, recorded this last Saturday night in the TD studio at the Young Center for the Performing Arts. Coming up in the next Soul Pepper Cabaret, internationally celebrated singer, composer, and songwriter, and Winnipeg native Judith Lander takes the stage, collaborating with the pride of Moncton, New Brunswick, Gislain Aucoin. They'll be trading hometown songs from places of birth, both real and aspirational. Music programming at Soul Pepper is made possible through a generous gift from the Slate family, and our audio programs are thanks to the continuing support of Richard Wernham and Julia West. The executive director of Soul Pepper is Leslie Lester, and the artistic director is Albert Schultz. I'm Gregory Sinclair. Thanks for listening. <laughs>